give you a warm welcome today to the Lord's house. We are happy that you're here, and if you're joining our service online today, we're very happy that the connection is working and that you're able to join with us today. Number 189 is our opening hymn today, and it talks of the theme of the trumpet of the Lord sounding. Well, that's a very scriptural purpose. When the Lord comes back again, it will, His coming will be preceded by a great noise. And however that heavenly trumpet will sound, we do not know. But you know, whether it is the Lord's return that will take us home to be with Him, or if we are taken in death before that time, the great hope and the joy for the believer is that being absent from our body, we are present with the Lord. And that is a great hope for us. And so let your heart today be filled with the joy and thanksgiving of the Savior, and let us stand and sing to the Lord's praise with all our hearts. Number 189. And please be seated. <clears throat> and with this great hope and joy in our minds today, let us come to the Lord in prayer and seek His face today that we will be very conscious of His presence with us and just of the settling of our minds and our hearts 
And oftentimes the rush of getting to the Lord's house in the morning, well, we want to not miss every or any opportunity of coming to Him and of knowing His presence and of worshiping Him with our hearts. We'll bow in prayer. Our gracious Father, Lord, as we bow in Your most holy presence today, we are very conscious of our need of the Holy Spirit's help in our worship, in our praying, in the reading of the Word, and the understanding of its truth. Lord, I pray that we would be all with an open heart to receive the Scriptures, the Word of truth, and that the Spirit of God will do that work in us that so often, Lord, we confess our hearts, our minds are closed to, and we are, we are hardened to it. But I pray that today we will have open minds, open hearts, and that the Spirit would speak through the Word to us. And, Lord, I pray that anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, that they would come to meet Him today. That they would come to know what it is to confess their sin, calling on Christ, what must I do to be saved? Let that be the prayer of every unsaved heart, whether in the service or watching our service online. Dear God, we lift our, our hands and our hearts, our minds in praise and adoration. We want, Lord, for your name to be magnified and glorified through our lives. We want to be a good representative of Christ in the world. We want, Lord, to be able to shine forth to our neighbors and our friends, our family, those in our workplace, those we meet outside in the stores, wherever it is that we would shine forth as a living example of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today. Remember those who are sick. We again pray for the Kelly family. Lord, you would undertake for them in all of their needs. Bless their daughter Esther and her family as well. And dear Father, we pray for Serene and for Ron we're asking for your hand to be upon these dear ones who are part of our fellowship, and we know something about their needs physically. And Father, what about each one who has spiritual needs, perhaps burdens, something that is going on in their life, Lord, just now, and they don't know where to turn, they don't know what to do. Father, I pray that they would come to submit themselves before your holy throne and know that their God, our God, is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let us rest upon the promise that if we cast our burden upon the Lord, that thou wilt sustain us. And so strengthen our hearts today defeat the devil in every attempt he has to make us stumble and fall, and preserve us, Lord, I pray, day by day. 
Father, our nation, our land, we stand in great need of the urgent intervention of our hand, the hand of our God upon us. Lord, our politics seem to be in a mess. Society is somewhat reeling out of control. Financial things are upside down. And Lord, we see the evidence of a nation that has rejected Your Word. And Lord, it seems Your hand is being withdrawn. Things are unraveling all around us. Lord, preserve, we pray, the witness of every true Christian. And let us be salt and light in a dark world. So, hear our prayers today. Grant to us, Father, we pray, a gracious awakening, a reviving of our hearts and souls, so that we will be following after our God with all our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. Dear God, equip us for that. Enable us. Hear our prayer today. Bless us now. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, please. Psalm 119. And we're looking at section D. Psalm 119, section D. And if you're unfamiliar, the Psalms are at the very back of our hymn book. The hymns are in the first section. The Psalms are in the back section. So, You navigate through there, Psalm 119d. Let's stand, please, as we worship God again.
God bless His Word as we sing the praises of God from His truth. And then, well, now as we open and read from the Bible. Turning, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. going to read the first ten verses. <clears throat> we then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored or delivered thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet alway rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. We end our reading there. When we consider the great complexities, it seems, and the somewhat confusing things Paul acknowledged that Christians are for the most part poor in this world, not overcomers with great wealth and riches for the most part. But he said, though we are poor, yet we are making many rich. And what does he mean by that? It means that the wealth, the value, the importance of the gospel is that which is communicated by those who have the Word of God. And when the wealth of God is communicated to people and they receive that, well, what happens? Well, they become rich. And the messenger of the gospel, the one who shares the light and the truth of God, is the one who is able to communicate, to give forth, to bless others with the wealth 
that God has given to us. May the Lord bless His Word uh, to your heart today as we have read. Very glad you're here today in the Lord's house. Happy that you're with us. Some have returned from travel, and uh, we welcome you folks as you've come back from your journeys. And we have some visitors in the service today, and we're very, very happy to have you uh, with us. And uh, some I know are going away on holidays, and we pray that God would watch over you and keep you safe in your travels out and then back again. Our brother James Fraser and his wife have gone down south to visit their family in South Carolina. And uh, Elder Alec Newell, he is traveling down east, uh, going on a little bit of a trip with his family. And they are in our Fredericton congregation this morning. And our brother Alec is bringing the word there. And so that is actually already taken, taken place because they are one hour ahead of us. And uh, unusual because not too often do visitors from Toronto go down to Fredericton. And it just so happened they didn't work this out together. But one of our deacons, Brother uh, Daniel Vautour and his wife, they also were traveling down east for a little holiday. And they were ending up in Fredericton today as well. Uh, so they have a few visitors, and I think they were going to be having a time of fellowship uh, in the church after the morning service. So this, these are good things to remember. I ask you to pray for our brother, well, the whole Kelly family. I shared with the prayer meeting Wednesday night something of the difficulty that Carol had last week, and uh, she had a, a turn, some kind of a, of a seizure. Wasn't really sure all was about that. And uh, yet I had got communication from Esther, their daughter, yesterday, and Steve had a, another complication and had to return back to the Lindsay Hospital again. So I know that they would all greatly appreciate your prayers. I know you have been, and uh, they're thankful for that. But to continue uphold these people very much before the Lord in prayer, they much appreciate that. Remember, please, today our prayer time at 5.50 before the evening service, and I trust to be back with you tonight as we look further into our study in the book of Daniel. We'll be beginning chapter 5, and that is the account of Belshazzar. And so please be in prayer as we will take a few, uh, a few sermons, a few messages to deal with this important chapter in the Word of God. This coming Wednesday at the prayer meeting, Dr. McClellan will be bringing the Word, and then also next Lord's Day, uh, Reverend Cranston will be in the morning service, and then our brother Jonathan McAnally will be taking the evening meeting. I know that some of you, many of you, have been thinking about Reverend Cranston, knowing that he was not just feeling too well and had a little bit of a complication a couple of weeks ago, but he is back in the pulpit. He was last Lord's Day and today as well, as far as we know. And uh, he is looking forward to being with you next Lord's Day uh, morning. I believe those are all the announcements, except that this coming Friday, once more, the gym fellowship will continue from 6 to 9 p.m. in our school uh, gymnasium. Thank you all for your tithes and offerings for the work of God here. It is part of your worship to God. If you are a member of our congregation or regular attender, if you're a visitor, there's no need for you to 
participate in that unless you so desire to. The offering plate is on the table at the back as you leave. We're going to sing now, though, to the Lord's praise again, number 573, Make Me a Channel of Blessing. This is a good prayer for every Christian to pray. We'll remain seated as we sing this hymn. Come, let's stand, please, for this final verse. have Paulo with us in the church for the last couple, last month, I guess it is, and it's good to see his dear mom is back with us today. She's come to bring her son back home overseas, 
And uh, you know, we have great and fond fellowship of these dear folks for the many years that they were with us. And we also think about Mrs. Santos Sr., uh, Ed's mom. She is overseas in Portugal there and want to remember our dear sister in the Lord. We miss her very much in the gospel. We miss her faithful praying here with us, but we know that she's a prayer warrior and uh, holding us up to the Lord in prayer. And maybe, I don't know if Mrs. Santos is online today. It just might not be possible, uh, but we certainly are happy these folks are able to visit with us. And we wish you every blessing in the Lord as you return back to your home again. Please turn now in your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. John 15, the first eight verses. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have your word open now before us, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive its truth and to apply it to our lives. Hear our prayer today. Make us abundant fruit-bearing Christians. Save those who are not saved today, Lord, we pray. Hear us now and give me strength and power to deliver the Word of God faithfully and give everyone hearing ears, understanding hearts. I ask this today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <clears throat> I want you to think with me today as we continue looking at this parable that Jesus spoke about a full harvest for Christ. Christians 
are to bring forward to the Lord a full harvest for Him. Of course, John 15, as we have been looking at, is a teaching by the Lord Jesus, an allegory of a vine and the branches and the fruit. And the central teaching of this parable is the union that there is between Jesus Christ as the vine and His people as the branches that are joined into Him, and about the absolute necessity to be connected to Christ if there will be spiritual life. From the vine, the branch receives all of its nutrients, water, strength, its beauty, its fruit. Everything depends on the connection that the branch has to the vine. And it is not reversed. The vine does not depend on the branches for its life. And so, if we are saved today, it is by the grace of God, and that we have been grafted into the vine of our salvation, and therefore we have the gift of true spiritual life and the hope that we will produce fruit to Him. It can only come by our living relationship with the Lord Jesus. As we thought about a parable and how important it is to understand the main teaching that is put forward in all of the parables that Jesus spoke, and the need for a person to have this living relationship with the Lord, that we will walk with God in order to glorify Him. That's the central teaching of John 15. There must always be great care in interpreting parables that we don't press them or stretch them too far to teach things that they do not teach. Our Savior, when He declared, I am the vine, He is the true vine. He is the one that is giving physical and spiritual life to all. And emphatically, there is no life outside of Him. As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. And that not only is He the giver of life, but He is the one who sustains life. He keeps us. We are kept by the power of God and the spiritual life that we have, being born again by His Spirit, it comes through Him alone. And there are, well, many benefits, but at least two we're thinking about. We thought of last Lord's Day, that there is growth and there is productivity being connected to the vine. And we think now about the full harvest that we are to give and produce for our Lord Jesus Christ. Note with me, please, in the first place today, that bearing spiritual fruit is the certain evidence that we belong to Christ. When that is seen in the life of a person, when there is spiritual fruit that is blossoming and coming forward, it is the evidence that we belong to the Lord Jesus. Being in Christ by faith, we draw continual supplies 
of His grace. We draw continually the help and the power that is necessary in order for us to produce fruit. Without that, there would be none. How then does a person know if they are in union with the Savior? My, that is a fundamental question, isn't it, today? How do you know if you're a Christian? How do you know if you are joined to the vine that is Christ? The Bible talks about making your calling and election sure. Well, I say to you, it is bearing true spiritual fruit. And if a person does not bear that fruit unto God, it is proof that there is no real living union with Him. So friend, today I press that matter to you that if you are not born again of the Spirit of God, if you are not a believer in Christ, if you don't know Him, then you are not in the vine. You're not connected to Jesus. And if you're not connected to Him spiritually, really, vitally, well, then you cannot bear fruit unto God. It's as simple as that. There have been many false professors of Christianity. People sadly have been taught the false doctrine that by your baptism you are part of the church of Christ. That by your upbringing, by church membership, or by some other ritual or rite that makes you a member of the body of Christ. But it does not. Oh, I know in one sense we think about the visible church. Now, we are part of the visible church of Christ because we have a a building, a structure. There are people in this congregation today. You are here and you testify that you belong to Christ. And so that makes you part of the visible church of Christ. But we really don't know because you can't see in my heart, I can't see in your heart, The invisible body of Christ are those who are genuinely born again of the Spirit of God. But there have been many false professors, many people who pretend or are deceived, and so bearing fruit to God, true spiritual fruit, it is the only way that it can be proved that you belong to Jesus. Can I say to you today, friend, it is good to examine our own hearts. It's very important for us to do some digging around our own root to see, are we genuinely part of the body of Christ? Because if you are not, then I say to you today, now, is the accepted time. We read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Behold, now is the day of salvation because now is the day of grace. And so the opportunity is given to you to come and receive salvation. Now, it seems in this parable a little bit unusual that the Lord begins with something that is negative. 
Noted verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, we must think upon that seriously this morning. This is an important part because it's the first major statement, apart from the Lord identifying Himself as the true vine, it's the first statement as the Lord's bringing us into this instruction. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, God will take it away. Perhaps you have wondered about the full meaning of this statement. How could a branch be in Christ and yet not bear fruit and then be taken away? Is this verse teaching us that you can be saved and that you could lose your salvation? Is it teaching that you could be one time brought into Christ by salvation and faith, but maybe because of your carnal living or your disobedient behavior that has gone on for some years, and that you're not living for Christ anymore, that God will then take you out of Jesus. You once were saved, but now you're not saved, or maybe you've just been a bad boy or a bad girl, and the Lord's going to take you home. As if a parent would say to a child, you've been warned, and you're still misbehaving, so now it's time to come in from play. Once more, we must be very careful when applying the details of a parable that we get the full meaning. The Lord said, every branch in me. But the whole context of the chapter and the main teaching, it's about being in union with Jesus Christ, and the evidence of that union will be fruit-bearing. We know that there have been many false Christians that we could say have soiled the pages of church history, imposters, deceivers, betrayers, hypocrites, those that they look good on the outside. Oh, they look like Christians on the outside. And they may even, note this, they may even produce a type of fruit They have lots of leaves, maybe, on their branches. They have many things that look like good Christian works. They might be nice neighbors. They might have an ethical standard that is higher than the rest of the ungodly world. They may have many appearances on the outside that make them look all shiny and nice. Oh, if there is a Christian, there's one for sure. But the fruit that they produce, if any, it is strange fruit. It is wild fruit. And there is no fruit unto righteousness according to God's Word. And the Lord Jesus says that of such they will be taken away. One day, 
It will come, friend, that all pretenders, all hypocrites, they will be revealed for who they really are. And do you remember when the Lord Jesus said at the end of the time there will be people that come to Him and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that in Your name? And Jesus will give to them the shocking words, Depart from Me, I never knew You. They were not in the vine. They were not part in the union with Jesus Christ. And they have no spiritual life in them. So friend, how are we to know who's real and who's not real? How are we to make that judgment? Well, ultimately, it's God who will do the judging. Let's not forget that. But on the other hand, in the body of Christ and the church, we must use discernment. We must make an assessment based on the evidence we see. And that's why it is a good thing in church government and places not to put someone into a position of authority or leadership if they have not been proven or tested to the best of our ability. And that's what we are called to do in the church and the body of Christ. Mr. J.C. Ryle commented on verse 2. He said this, There are branches in the vine which appear to be joined to the parent stem and yet bear no fruit. There are men and women who appear to be members of Christ and yet will prove finally to have had no vital union with Him. There are myriads of professing Christians in every church whose union with Christ is only outward and formal. They have a name to live, but in the sight of God, they are dead. Another commentator by the name of Adam Clark, he noted, as the vine dresser will remove all branches that are dead or that bear no fruit, so will God take away from His church all professed Christians who give no evidence by their lives that they are truly united to Jesus. Matthew Poole, a commentator that was a contemporary with Matthew Henry, who is known very, very well, he translated the phrase this way, every branch not bringing forth fruit in me. And he went on to say, indeed, no true fruit can be brought forth but in Christ. But yet much that looks like fruit, much that men may call fruit, may be brought forth without any true spiritual union with Christ. All acts of moral discipline or any acts of formal profession in religion may be brought forth without any true root and foundation in Christ. And God will, in the end, discover and cut off those who bring no fruit. Our Lord Jesus made this a major first point in His teaching. And it was a great warning. And it is, my dear friends, today a great warning to everyone one 
to be sure that you are in Christ genuinely. To, to know beyond any shadow of a doubt, to have the assurance of salvation. What is it? It's the witness of the Holy Spirit in your own heart. It's the desire that you have and the love you have in your soul for Christ. And it will be the evidence in your own heart, a witness to yourself, that you are bearing true, genuine fruit toward God. It, this is our main purpose. It's the main purpose of every true Christian because the Lord went on in verse 2 to say, but every branch in me that beareth fruit. We were created with the ultimate purpose to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And when we have this living relationship with the Son of God, it is that from our lives will flow glory to God in bearing fruit for Him. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, we're told, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The good works, the bearing of fruit to Him, and this spiritual fruit, it is found in the Spirit of God, and it is a result of the Spirit of God. Didn't Paul teach in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, it is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I know that in some aspects, even the ungodly may share some elements of those things, but the genuineness of it, the reflection of the beauty of Christ in our life, the producing of this spiritual fruit to Him, it is by and through the Holy Spirit. And of course, because He is holy, our lives are to reflect that holiness unto the Lord. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 22, we read these words, But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, we have our fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. My, it seems that Paul was going back to John 15. It seems that as he was bringing out that teaching, that fruit unto God is going to be holy fruit. It's going to be genuine. That which is not of us, but it is as a result of the Spirit of God who works in us. As God is holy, believer, so let us be holy unto Him. And we who are bearing the vessels of the Lord, just as the Old Testament priests who were, who were given that responsibility of taking the holy things of God and they were presenting them in the temple services and the sacrifices and all the offerings, they were carrying holy things and therefore their life, their testimony, it was to be pure, it was to be holy, 
unto the Lord. This will be seen, believer, in our life by doing the will of God. We thought for a moment on Wednesday evening in our study of Psalm 63 about what that was to do the will of God and how we sometimes recoil from that because the will of God is hard at times for us. It's hard because those circumstances in our life where God is directing us in a certain way, we might be resisting it a little bit because we don't know so much we want to go down that pathway. It might be hard. We don't know what it's going to mean for us. It's going to be a step of faith. And that step of faith in doing the will of God It comes from a heart of surrendering everything to Him and saying, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. Believer, have you met God on that ground? Have we been able to say, not reluctantly, not because we are obligated to do this, not because we are somewhat pushed down the road of serving God, but because we love our Lord. We want to serve Him. We want to do His will. We want to be in obedience to His commands. Not just those things which, you know, some people will say, Well, where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't say I can't do this or I can't do that. Beware of such a spirit, friend, because what we want to gather from the Scripture is not just those things which we say are in black and white, but Lord, give me the principle behind Your Word. Let that truth be in my heart and be echoed forward from my life. I don't want to be a legalist I want to take the Word of God and every principle that is founded in it and say, Lord, I want to follow in Your pathway. I I need the mind of Jesus. I want the mind of Christ in my heart. I want to follow Him with humility. I want to set my life before Him and hear those words, What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly? and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what I want. And I know, believer, in your heart, you're saying, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I want a Christ-like spirit, and that in itself is fruit unto holiness. That is a spirit that is bearing fruit unto God. You're doing it every day, believer. You are honoring God in your love for Christ. You're honoring the Lord by your desire, saying, Father, I want to please You today. That is fruit unto God. Oh, yes. It's not when you can count up and say, oh, I've won a hundred souls to the Lord. No, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Though we have been praying, haven't we, to be soul winners? And we want to do that. We want God to make us sign posts so that when people look at our lives and we'll be able to share our faith with them, we'll say, friend, come to Jesus, repent of your sins, and receive the beauty and the wonder of His salvation. But our fruit unto the Lord 
the true fruit, it will be revealed when we... Well, there's a, an apple tree out in our school yard there. And my, all the geese, they cannot wait until the fall time comes when the apples begin to drop off the tree and they have a feast. And the geese are gathered around the parking lot and the field regularly, but they seem to concentrate at that time because, well, that apple tree is, just has many, many apples on it. We're not surprised to see apples on that tree. We're very happy. In fact, I have made some apple pies from the apples that from, come from that tree and applesauce as well. And uh, it's not too bad, I might add. But the fact of the matter is, that tree does not surprise us at all when it produces apples. But if you were to go out in the fall time and find an orange on that tree, you would be very surprised. In fact, you'd begin to dig around here and look at some, is this, what's going on here? When there is the normal fruit growing from a tree, it is that exactly what it is, normal. When a Christian produces fruit unto holiness and unto God, it's a normal thing to happen. It's what should happen. But how strange it is when there is different fruit than what should be on that tree. And here's the thing. The fruit does not make the determination of what the tree is, but the tree, the root, and the stalk, it produces fruit, and then that's the evidence of what tree it is. And my dear friends, today, as we think about that testimony for the Lord in our lives, we want to beware that we, we are not giving any mixed signals, any misconception to the world, because by our behavior and our attitudes, and sadly, by our worldliness at times, we can give a wrong signal. Whoso is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And our actions will reveal our thinking. And our thinking will show our heart. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so we want to avoid those things which are going to be a negative influence upon the world. Our, our willful behavior at times. Now look, we all know we are wrestling with these matters because we are not perfected yet. And there is willfulness. There, there is a tendency to worldliness. There are all these things that are inside the heart of the child of God, and we must resist them by God's grace. And when we see those little sprouts coming up in our life, let us hack them off quickly. Because if not, the Lord will be coming along to do that work. Willfulness and stubbornness and pride and those things that seem to rear their heads at times, let's put them under the blood of Christ. Let's say, Lord, I want to be done with those things. I don't want them in my life. I want to produce fruit that's to the glory of God. And my dear friends, in this, it is a mighty privilege that God gives us to bear fruit for the Lord. It's a mercy that He allows us to do that. 
And the, the truth is that God needs nothing from you. He doesn't need anything from me. And so the fact He doesn't need anything from us, it's a great mercy. He allows us to be involved in His work. And He sees this plant, this vine, this branch growing. And He sees the little evidences of the fruit that's on it. And it is for the glory of God and Him alone. And that we, as we read in Corinthians, that we are workers together with Him. The word is laborers, servants. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And so as we are working with the Lord, He is working through us. He bears that fruit in our lives. In Isaiah 37, in verse 31, we have this verse of Scripture. It says, And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet take root downward and bear fruit upward. There is a total dependence here in this. If you come back to John 15 and notice verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Verse 5, at the very end, without me, ye can do nothing. Have we learned yet the lesson of our total dependence upon Christ for bearing fruit for Him? It is by His grace you know that He chose us. It's by His grace that He drew us to the Savior. That He opened our eyes. That He gave us faith to believe in Him. For it is the gift of faith. He enables us to bear fruit to His glory. And all of these things, dear friends, it shows us that bearing spiritual fruit, it is the certain evidence that we belong to Christ. I want you to notice also today that the pruning of God is further evidence that we belong to Jesus. We're told that He purges His branches. This is something very necessary. As every gardener will know, that the pruning of fruit trees and the branches, it is for the purpose of a yielding of a greater harvest. And so what did the Lord do in our life? He comes along to prune us so that there will be a growth and advancement, a greater productivity. And what is the Lord doing? He's purifying His church. He is sanctifying us by the circumstances of our lives. And on the surface, this appears hurtful. And maybe it is at times, friend. But it's, it's done always 
by our Father in heaven out of a spirit and a heart of love for you. For he never does anything in your life to hurt you. Christian, never forget it. Everything that God does and purposes in us, even when it is hurtful to us, He is doing it because He loves us and He wants us to bear more fruit for Him. Perhaps something in our lives we have become accustomed to and we do not see it as any real disadvantage. In fact, we become quite happy and content with that thing in our life. And maybe we have been depending and leaning a little too much on that thing and not on the Lord. And what does God do? Sometimes He comes along and He cuts that, he cuts that off. And we will maybe fall over or stumble because we'd be de- de- depending on that a bit too much. Paul in Hebrews 12 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Oh, there's that word fruit again. The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised thereby. When God is at work in us, He is doing that work for our good and for His glory. And often that trial the trial of our faith that will be working patience in us, He uses those trials to take us away from our dependence on the world and on the stuff in the world in order that we will have greater dependence on the Word of God, on the Word of Christ, and on our Lord Himself. Colossians 1.24 says, And now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. And so God at work in us is doing something. Mr. Ryle again commented, let us learn to be patient in the days of darkness. If we know anything of vital union with Christ... Let us remember the doctrine of the passage before us and not murmur or complain because of trials. Our trials are not meant to do us harm, but good. God chastens us for our profit that we may be partakers of His holiness. The Master only desires what is good for us. And so, yes, The evidence of bearing fruit in our lives is that we are in Christ. And the pruning by the Father, why, that is further evidence that we belong to Him. And the final thought this morning is this. A full harvest for our Lord will bring glory to our Father in heaven. A full harvest that it may bring forth much fruit. Another story Jesus told was about the vine that some brought forth 
40, some 60, some 100 fold. There is honor to the Lord when we bring forth fruit unto Him, and the more is the better. Because greater bounty will bring greater glory unto Christ. If we abide in Him, we cannot bear but fruit. We cannot but bear fruit for Him. When we abide in the Lord, it's the natural thing that's being produced. Again, look at verse 8. He says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. It's only a natural thing, isn't it? It is the most unnatural thing for a branch not to bear fruit. And the Lord purges us so that we will bring to Him more fruit. And that fruit that we bring unto God, it is not for us, it's for Him ultimately. And the enduring nature of the reward. Why? Verse 16 says, Your fruit shall remain. Praise God. Yes, believer, everyday fruit. God is taking note of it. He is harvesting that fruit continually. And the bounty of your basket in heaven, God sees and monitors. Yes, a full harvest. Will your basket be full when you get to glory? I hope that you will need a tractor trailer or many of them to be filled with the bounty of the harvest that you will have for yourself. Matthew 6.19 tells us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But, he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So as we conclude today, if we are in Christ we will bear fruit for Him. It is God's desire that we bear much fruit for Him and also that the purging is God's way that we will be yet more productive. But I close with a word of warning. Because friend, if you are here today and you are not in Christ, you've never been saved by His grace, then you are not part of the vine. But as you would call on Christ to be your Savior, He will take you and He will graft you into the vine and you will be in Christ for time and for all eternity to repent of your sin and to call upon Him. That is the hope and the blessing and the message of life because now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. We'll bow, please, in prayer. Dear Lord, 
take today, I pray, this word spoken, the weakness of human lips, but Father, applied by the Spirit, it is powerful. And I pray that will be the case to both save sinners and, Lord, encourage the hearts of Your people. Hear our prayer today. Take us now to our homes in safety and bless us there. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.